We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on the lands which Deepherd operates. Welcome back to the Grains Combo Podcast, brought to you by the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development in Western Australia. I'm Cindy Webster. And I'm Jeanette Pratt, and we are research scientists based in regional WA. These episodes shine a spotlight on the knowledge and tools developed by Deeper to grow the grains industry. In today's episode, I'm talking to Deeper research scientist, Jackie Bucat, Low Carbon Futures Manager, Peter Rampolini, and Corrigan Farmer and Carbon Farming Land Restoration Programs, Simon Woolwork, exploring carbon emissions and calculations. Welcome to the podcast, Jackie, Peter and Simon. Thanks, Jeanette. Hi, Jeanette. How are you going? Hi, Jeanette. Before we dive in, I'd like to know a little bit about each of you and how you fit into the carbon emissions space. Peter, can you give us a bit of an introduction to yourself? Sure. Um, I'm currently the manager for Low Carbon Futures here at Deepherd. I'm responsible for the team that administers the, the $15 million carbon farming and land restoration program, which Simon's um, part of, as well as working closely with both the bioenergy team and the climate resilience program here. Thanks, Peter. And Simon, can you give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, hi, Jeanette. Um, so I farm with my partner, Cindy, and three kids at Corrigan here in the central wheat belt. Um, we're broadacre farmers. We grow crops, um, barley, canola, wheat and lupins and, and run livestock, both sheep and cattle. Um, over the last few years, we've developed a strategic plan which covers a range of areas, but it does include sustainability goals. And we have a vision to create a resilient farm business from a healthy landscape that provides a happy and fulfilling lifestyle for the family. So we're aware that our markets are changing. Increasingly, consumers are becoming more focused on sustainability criteria around the commodities we produce. Also, uh, we want to leave this landscape in, uh, in a better condition than we started with and, and provide a good legacy to the next generation. So we have been successful applicants for the round two of the Carbon Farming and Land Restoration Fund, and that's really going to help us on our journey of uh, sustainability. Carbon emissions and the conversation around reducing them has received a bit of attention over the last few years. Jackie, is carbon farming becoming an integral component of agriculture? Yes, it's definitely heading that way. And I just want to take a step back and look at what carbon farming is. So carbon farming um, is about the carbon and more particularly the carbon dioxide. So in carbon farming, we're talking about calculating or counting what emissions we have, and that's our carbon dioxide production. Um, we're looking at ways to reduce those farming emissions So while we're trying to maintain productivity, so uh, reducing some of the emissions that would have been produced. And also there's the option, opportunity for sequestration. And sequestration is basically locking up further carbon dioxide, either in our vegetation or soils. And that sequestration can happen with offsets, and they're tradable, uh, verifiable Australian Carbon Credits Units, ACUs, um, or insects, which are done in a similar way, but they're basically for our own use, for example, in our own life cycle analysis of farm business. And yes, they are becoming um, integral. I mean, just going through some of the reasons. I mean, growers are amongst 
everybody who wants to do their bit to limit the global temperature increase, and that's why we're looking at this in the first place. Uh, Australia as a nation needs to account for emissions politically, so delivering to the Kyoto Protocol and the Paris Agreement. And we do this through the National Inventory Report, which is delivered to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Closer to home on the farms, though, um, we're beginning to develop trade and premiums for low-carbon produce. That's just starting to happen. And but I think the biggest driver, or the fastest driver, is that banks and financial business partners are wanting emissions accounting plans um, as a way to reduce their own climate change risk. And Simon, as a farmer yourself, do you believe farmers have a role to play in this space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're aware that um, the likes of CBH are now testing markets around sustainability. They put together a, a batch of, of barley, which is carbon neutral barley, and supplying that to market. Um, they've also done market research and increasingly um, customers um, uh, are focused on sustainability criteria with our commodities. So also we believe that um, we can set goals such as carbon neutrality, but also continue to improve productivity. We would like to look at our landscape more broadly than just growing crops as well. We're concerned about the biodiversity on our property and how healthy our native vegetation is, because as a whole, that makes our, our farming business more resilient and, and essentially future proofs the farming business. The WA government has a goal of net zero emissions by 2050. Peter, what are some of the ways DPIRT is driving towards this? Well, obviously our carbon farming and land restoration uh, program aims to realise agriculture's present, uh, potential to sequester carbon in the landscape, generate carbon credits and grow WA's carbon farming industry. Projects that have been selected in our program deliver environmental, economical and social co-benefits and contribute to the long-term sustainability of the farming industry. The program provides upfront funding for new vegetation and soil carbon projects in the Southwest Land Division. Projects selected will deliver priority co-benefits including increased biodiversity, salinity mitigation, soil health improved agricultural productivity and, and Aboriginal economic and cultural opportunity. The program was created as a result of the state government's climate policy that was developed a few years ago. Uh, we also have several initiatives aimed at reducing emissions across the agricultural supply chain. Examples include local advanced biofuel production using agricultural products, trials using non-synthetic fertiliser products and insetting opportunities for farmers. Advanced biofuels are drop-in substitutes for diesel and aviation fuel. These fuels can be made from a range of different feedstock, including oil mallee trees, which some of the farmers listening may already have on their farm, and they also can use crop residues. DPIRT is presenting a range of research and project opportunities as part of the sectorial emissions reduction strategies in agriculture, similar to those being developed by the energy, transport and heavy industry sectors. And Jackie, what about in your space, in your role at DPIRT? Okay, so last year we had some, we offered some training and using the tool at the GRDC research updates. I'm not sure what will happen this year, but there's other, um, you can look for training in the tools from your business networks, so Nutrient and Rabobank are now, uh, doing those. But in terms of DPIRT, we've been involved in the Carbon Neutral Grain Pilot that was run in association with Wide Open Agriculture and CBH. 
um, deepened as a commitment to running the mixed farming operation at the Catanning Research Station as a carbon neutral operation. Um, I think the others have already mentioned the low carbon futures and the carbon farming land restoration program. Uh, DPIRD's also involved with the WA Agricultural Research Collaboration, so working with CSIRO, the Girl Group, Alliance and the universities, and that's one of the key pl- pillars of that is supporting research um, and development in climate resilience. Um, and there's other programs, so we're very involved in this um, uh, emerging space. Jackie, is there a certain role for those in the grain space to play? Well, the grain's role is not more special than any other of the agricultural industry, so sheep or um, beef or anything, and we'd like all growers to become familiar with their own emissions. But the benefit for grains is that it's much easier um, to calculate them than most of the other ag systems. So for all industries, we're promoting uh, calculating your emissions by using the greenhouse accounting framework, which we more commonly refer to as the tools, And the tool is available at the Primary Industries Climate Challenges Centre website. So pictc.org.au. And then we go to resources and then tools. And you will find um, the the accounting frameworks for cropping, sheep and beef, pork, horticulture, deer, and a number of range of industries. Um, And the, the tools are quite simple. There's pages, two tabs for data input one for crops and one for vegetation. And I would suggest at the start we maybe just look at the crops and delete the information in the vegetation. And then there's a simple tab that's called a data summary where we find the answers. Now, before I worked through the tool, I didn't really understand how it all came together. And it's actually quite simple and it's so good to go through that process so you've got a good handle on where are the things that contribute to our missions that, that count. And it doesn't really matter if it's not quite right the first time you do it. It's just about understanding where things come from. So we're really promoting that the growers run through it, then they understand what's important. They're really ready for the future and they can just sit back and relax as this space unfolds. Now, Simon, I believe you've been on a journey to build resilience into your farming system, as you mentioned, and you've set yourself a separate goal. Can you explain this from your unique perspective and what you are doing? Yeah, so part of our sustainability vision is to be carbon neutral by 2030 for our farming business. Now, as farmers, I guess we're fortunate that we can manage both sides of the carbon equation. Uh, Of course, we contribute to emissions and for our farming business, on average, that's around 2,000 tonnes of CO2 equivalent per annum. But we also sit on the um, carbon sink side of the equation where we can store carbon in soils and trees as well. So for us to achieve carbon neutrality, that's going to be a combination of reducing emissions in our farming operations, but also storing carbon in soils and trees. So as a part of our application to the Carbon Farming and Land Restoration Fund, we worked out the sort of area, area that we needed to plant to trees to offset all of our emissions and so over time as we can reduce emissions then we'll potentially have a carbon asset that we won't need to use to offset emissions. So some of the things that we'll be doing to reduce emissions includes uh, using fertiliser more efficiently, um, perhaps things such as variable rate technology. Um, Hopefully the market supplies products with lower emissions profiles over time as well. Uh, also improve our fodders with mixed legume species to 
grow our animals faster and sell them quicker off the farm so they have total uh, lower life cycle emissions. Um, obviously, there's new that we'll be very reliant on new research and innovations, such things as feed additives for our livestock, because methane is uh, is a key part of our emissions profile as well. So they're some of the examples that um, we hopefully hopefully will adopt over time. Was there anything in particular that prompted you to make these changes, Simon? I guess we've been on this journey for a number of years now. We've been fortunate to be involved in a group called Ag Zero 2030, which is focused on a positive response by our industry to climate change. And being involved in this group, we've had access to um, information through forums and also participating in consultations to uh, DPIRD and other organisations around agriculture's response to climate change. And it's become really clear to us that the world is changing very quickly. Um, there's huge investments going into decarbonisation. And agriculture contributes about 10% of uh, global emissions. So right through our supply chain, we've been asked to contribute to uh, reduced emissions and carbon neutrality and things like that. And obviously, markets are starting to recognise these things as well, both from our commodity markets, but also finance markets. So... Um, banks are starting to consider farming businesses as sustainability criteria and potentially um, we may get lower interest rates with green loans and things like that. But um, interestingly, recently we've, we've started supplying some calves to a sustainable supply chain around these criteria and getting a little premium for that. So we are seeing some, some benefits by taking this approach already. I think, can I just add to that what Simon was saying there with regards to the bank bank side? Definitely, I, I, I can confirm that you know, the banks are looking at some green loans and, and utilising them in the future to uh, for farmers to, to, to look at for, for uh, their offsetting uh, or their ability to reduce their carbon footprint. So um, that, that came across in a meeting I had at, at Dowron with the Commonwealth Bank and the National Australia Bank as well. Peter, do you think farmers need to consider what they should do with their Australian carbon credit unit, units they receive as part of their carbon farming projects? I think I think it's important that that the farmers do consider what they what they do with their carbon credit or their Australian carbon credit units or their ACUs as they as they're called. Um, and just for everyone's knowledge, each ACU sort of issued represents one tonne of carbon dioxide equivalent stored or avoided by a project. So they're a tradable commodity. So on, on average, the first ACUs are normally given between seven, uh, seven to 10 years after the project has started. And then thereafter up to 25 years, depending on the methods used. Once the ACUs are generated, they, they then need to decide what they want to do with them. Typically, a farmer in the initial thing should seek advice, which Simon, I think, has done from a relevant professional as to what their whole of farm emissions are. Once the farmer has that information, they should decide whether they should, one, keep the ACUs to offset their on-farm on emissions, keep them in the future and use them to offset further emissions. It's also something that's handy to have on their, listed as an asset on their financial register. Or the third option is to sell them to other emitters 
if they if they sell their accrues to other remitters, they may choose to, with the money uh, gained, you know, use it to purchase energy efficient farm equipment such as new generation tractors or headers, or install solar panels to utilise for power across their property to further reduce their carbon footprint. But there's some of the options um, that they can use, but certainly. Um, you know, it would be good for them to keep their accus in the future. As, as Simon said, it's an asset that they can utilise as well. And what about you, Simon? Do you have any comments on the use of raccoons? Yeah, so um, we've got this goal of carbon neutrality by 2030. So we will be relying on future innovation to reduce emissions. So we can't achieve that just now. So we, we are reliant on our offsets to to get to achieve that carbon utility goal. So um, how we worked out um, what sort of area we need to plant to trees is based on the, the level of carbon we can sequester in our rainfall zone. And we also looked at our whole farm property and identified areas that are currently not viable really in a cropping sense. We're losing money on them, porous soil types, um, slightly saline soils and things like that. So we've identified 200 hectares that we'd be better off planting to trees anyway and we'll, and register them under the uh, carbon project and with the idea that any carbon that is sequestered through that, we retain in the farming business to uh, help achieve our goal. And as I pre- previously mentioned, hopefully we have residual carbon credits left over and so that carbon asset as such could become quite valuable in things like succession planning going forward, which is um, the, the more tools, the better in, in that situation. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before I let you go? I just, again, promote growers to get involved. So the ag industry and the markets in carbon farming and in this mission space are still developing. And the more ag we've got involved in the space and a part of the discussions, the more likely we are to get it right and have good and accurate processes um, so the, the, the tool, the accounting framework has been improving all the time with new research. Um, we're working out how to get our farm carbon counts verified for our farm business um, and similarly for a, a commodity production, so for our canola or our wheat verified um, for these emerging markets. So I just urge people to get involved. Oh, and also to be involved with the political conversation so we can make sure that agriculture is treated well. And as it's been mentioned by the others during the conversation, like Simon and Peter, I just reiterate the growing importance of biodiversity uh, on our farms. I just wanted to say thanks for allowing me the opportunity to be on the podcast and to give me the chance to answer some questions on carbon farming and bioenergy. Really appreciate it. And Simon, do you have anything to add? Thanks for having myself as well. And it just, I think, it, you know, we're on a real sharp learning curve with this stuff and it's really important as farmers that we continue to source quality information where we can. We don't have all the answers just yet. These things are emerging and it can be a bit complicated at times. And I don't think anyone's expecting farmers to um, change their whole farming business overnight. There is a transition period and hopefully over the next 10 to 20 years we can build these sorts of new innovations into our farming businesses. Jackie, Peter and Simon, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and highlighting your work in the carbon admissions and calculation space. Thanks, Jeanette. It's been nice to be involved. Thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, Jeanette. More information on this topic can be found in the show notes. If you like this episode, you can download and subscribe to Grains Convo on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
We'll be back on the 1st and 15th of every month with a new episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.